We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Do you think that the, what you call the alt-left is the same as neo-Nazis? Oh, those people, all of those people, excuse me, I've condemned neo-Nazis. I've condemned many different groups, but not all of those people were neo-Nazis, believe me. Not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. Those people were also there because they wanted to protest the taking down of a statue, Robert E. Lee. So, this week it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? 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 We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply.
What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors. By now, you know, I'm Kel Dansby here with Andreas Hale. We're bringing you the best in combat sports every week. Boxing, MMA, pro wrestling, a little bit of other stuff on the side like hip-hop. And today we're switching it up a little bit because we have to talk about the crazy climate in America and some of the stuff that went down. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thanks for bearing with us. We're bringing this kind of getting into that groove, getting into that rhythm again. So if you're listening to this at work, it'll carry you through your day. If you're listening to this on the weekend, take it as a preview for the crazy weekend in combat sports we're about to have. Let's start it off, though. Charlottesville, Nazis still exist. People lost their damn mind. It was like a scene from Shrek. They had fucking flame torches. Like, what year is this? They really wanted to take it back. If this is Make America Great Again, I, I, I don't know what the hell to say. I mean, that's what made America <clears throat> great to these people uh, 50, 100 years ago. This is what they wanted to see. And I mean, you know, everybody has the right to protest or whatever. Um, you can <laughs> protest outside of Walmart if you want to. You can protest, you know, bad working conditions. So, But I have the right to not like your protest, right? And that's what, you know, people have the right to not agree with Black Lives Matter's protest. It doesn't make you right. It makes you an asshole. But you have the right to. Um but it's when the counter-protests happen because, I mean, come on, dude. You guys are upset because of Robert E. Lee statues getting taken down. It's like, come on. It, it got a little out of hand and ridiculous. And um, to see how it all went down, uh, you know, it's always made out that our protests are turned into these violent things while when they protest. And it's funny because people, when I say they, they think I'm referring to white people. I'm not necessarily referring to white people. It just so happens that a majority of those people are white. You won't see very many black people on those front lines. But they got violent. They tried to fight. They were, I mean, there was nothing they were doing that was peaceful about that protest, uh, regardless of what you, you, you guys as president says. Um, there's not nice people who are Nazis who want to eradicate the universe of people who don't look like them. There's nothing nice about that. So, I mean, it was, it's, without going into death, because a lot of people have been beaten over the head with it on the news, it, it's just another sad time in this country. And um, it's disgusting. And, you know, it, Trump has given racists and bigots and white supremacists and Nazis the right to come out the closet. You know, they were scared and tucked in their closets before, but now they got somebody that can embolden them in, in the form of Donald Trump. Before Donald Trump, they come out and just say some crazy shit. <laughs> Yo, and it's just so comfortable with it now, right? Like just, yeah, I mean, just lobbing that shit in the air, like and Trump, obviously we've all seen it. Everyone watched the news. He didn't come out, call him by name. He didn't he said there's people on both sides in the wrong. Like what the fuck? There is no both sides. I didn't know yeah, Nazis I, still existed. I, I don't well, I knew Nazis existed. That's never changed. The Klan has always existed. They don't go away. They just stay silent until it's time to surface again. Um, but it is. It's a license to ill, man. Again, you know, when Donald Trump is saying the things that he says and he wins the election because it's true, there's that almost half of this country still are a bunch of assholes. So it's a license to wild out. And now that he's come out and basically said, you know, there's, there's wrong on both sides. It's crazy. It's just crazy what people believe um, you know, in this country now is like that they still think that Mexicans are taking their jobs. They still think that black people are robbing you every day. There's still this this crazy misconception of what minorities do in this country. Um, and, you know, again, these Charlottesville protests, they're disgusting. Uh, you know, I don't I don't understand what y'all so mad about. It's a statue, dude. 
<laughs> we don't get statues. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, I don't, there ain't no statue of Malcolm X, you know, that I can find Nowhere, in Las Vegas. Right? Or, or, Look at I mean, I'm sure there's, like, something small, but it's like, come on, man. I mean, there's Martin Luther King outside of Morehouse. I was happy to see that. But it's like, like Robert E. Lee. It's like, I mean, you want a Hitler statue up next? Come on, dude. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. But that's people want to fight for everything. And, again, now that Trump is president, it's a license to ill. And everybody's... And people have that license and they want to wild out. Yeah, it's so bananas. I And it sparked a nice little Twitter beef for you, which people in your mentions are just so ignorant all the time. Like, I just get a glimpse of it and that shit has me dying when you actually entertain someone. But I can only imagine that this happens all the time. Yeah, like people, you know, when I get into these little things on Twitter, there's, there's, there's way more people than y'all see me retweet. And I just kind of pick one out and start going at them. In this case, it was Chuck Liddell's trainer, uh, Jim ha- John Hackleman, who called me a race baiter and a, 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 a professional victim. Um, he said that, Ob- well, how it started is because <laughs> I said, it, it was simple. I said, you know, Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and he can't find employment while Donald Trump threatens the world with nuclear war, um, you know, wants to build a wall and is completely inept at his job and he's gainfully employed. And Hackleman jumped in my mentions and was like, well, you know, uh, Kaepernick sucks at his job and Trump's just cleaning up the uh, eight years of Obama. And I'm like, wait, hold on. What? Cleaning up? What are we cleaning up? And dude basically told me that Obama was a race baiter who caused more division in this country than anybody. And, you know, my question is by how from being black? Is that like the only because from what I gathered and Obama he didn't go on the front lines with like Sean Bell and Oscar Grant. He mentioned them, but you know, it wasn't until like Trayvon, he's like, I have a son that looks like Trayvon. Like Obama was trying to be the president of the United States, but he happens to be black. He can't ignore those situations. It's not race baiting. When you say that my son could look like Trayvon Martin, cause it's very true. Like his yeah. daughters, he has two black daughters. And if something happened to a black woman, that could have been his daughter. Nobody asks you who your dad is when some shit happens. That's not race baiting. It's the truth. And Hackleton, he just went on. And I mean, it turned into this big thing where he told me that uh, when I, I, I mentioned that white privilege is something that exists in America, he said I was wrong. And he's like, because we pay taxes, we go to war just like y'all. And I'm like, where the fuck does taxes and war have anything to do with white privilege? Like I, The concept of white privilege has never been built on taxes. More importantly, y'all don't actually pay your taxes. Ask your man Donald Trump. He paid he paid $30 million in taxes, which is like a mere fraction of what he grossed. And, and, and I hate when stupid people try to argue on behalf of smart people or rich people, not even smart people, rich people. You can't argue on what they pay versus what you pay, especially when the percentage of what they're paying is less than what you're paying. Trump is an advocate for tax breaks for the rich, while the middle class still pay a higher percentage of their gross income. And that's a fact. But... People like him want to argue and they want to go on and tell me white privilege doesn't exist. And it turned into a real thing, man. Like, and people asked why I was giving them so much of my energy. Well, one, I, I was in between interviews, so I had nothing better to do. And two, <laughs> I want people to know that people like Hackleman, who you guys praise as Chuck Liddell's trainer, is a piece of shit. So I'm going to put him on blast so y'all could see the racism. And he's like, I'm not a racist. Walks like a racist, talks like a racist, tweets like a racist, says he's not racist. But when you say shit about Obama being a race baiter or you call me a professional victim, you're a fucking racist. So <laughs> and, and there's nothing you can there's nothing you can change about that perspective except the fact all you can say is that you're not one. But I can say I'm not black. You can look at me. I'm a black man. You're a fucking racist. So 
It's like I put you on blast, and then and people want like, why'd you call him a clown? I, I mean, listen, I don't have time for the to educate people on why white privilege exists. Because if white privilege didn't exist, we would have never needed Brown versus Board of Education. If white privilege didn't exist, there wouldn't be so many African Americans getting gunned down by the hands of police and being unarmed and completely innocent. His argument was like, well, how many white cops got shot by black people? That's not even on the same playing field. That's a I whole ca- different topic. I countered. I said, well, look, if you want to do apples to apples. Just say how many black cops were shot by white police that or, or how many unarmed white men were shot by black police. There aren't any. It's not a story because it doesn't exist. Cut it out. He, he just and then he said he wouldn't condemn Trump's comments on Charlottesville. So all that, all that to say people <laughs> like him a piece of shit. Yeah, he was have, being contrarian just to be contrarian. Yeah, but that's what a lot of these people do. man. And, and then, they, you know, he was like, uh, you know, let's I want to have a video debate. Or about the definition of racism. Ain't no fucking debate. The definition is in Webster. You can read that shit. I don't <laughs> need to argue about the de- what a, the definition of racism is. But the shit gets me fired up when I when I see people like this because they, they're in my line of work. I'm going to see Hackleman at one of these fights. And best believe, I will lay out an American flag, put the national anthem on play, and take a knee and see what he does. I bet you won't do shit. He ain't going to do a damn thing. That, that's the key. They complain about, you know, Kaepernick and players taking a knee and all the shit and the disrespect and blah, blah, blah. They don't do shit when it happens. Yeah, I mean, like, shit is crazy. Yeah. They're just look, a bunch of fucking talkers. That's it. They are. Because, they are, uh, look, next week is Mayweather McGregor. Guess who's not standing up during the National Anthem? Me. I've done this the last three fights. Nobody says shit to me. So, uh, so I dare somebody to try me. I ain't standing up at the Anthem for, yeah, two fights either. I looked over. I, I saw you. No one's standing. I tweet. I tweet. I yeah. sit down on my computer and I tweet and I text and write about who's singing the national anthem. I ain't standing up for that shit. I'm over it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking guy got you. Got you heated. Got you all He's worked up. up, man. <laughs> I gotta see these. People. I've got to see these people, and they are never as tough as they make themselves out to be. Ever. Um, talking about the fight, Mayweather McGregor. A week away. I'm. My vacation's winding down. I'm coming back to Vegas from Atlanta. Going to dive headfirst into the fight week madness. I took a complete break this week, too. I haven't written a damn thing about it. Um, we actually had the media call yesterday. We're recording this on Thursday. We had it. Uh, we have Mayweather coming up later on today. And they ain't say nothing new. No. Nothing at all. Why, why have a press conference like a, a media call a week before the fight when we're just going to see him and talk to him next week anyway well because what what they want to do is they, what happens is like next week it's going to be really hard to write a lot of these stories right i mean the reality is you write what's on the ground next week but we they want to basically reload us with material to talk about and people at places like the new york times or the new york post or some of these bigger mainstream outlets they haven't really been on the ground for this fight this fight is that big so that's why you see like Floyd Mayweather on James Corbin. You see Conor McGregor on Conan. They're trying to reload, man, and get that last push. So these calls aren't necessarily for us. I mean, granted, you know, the eight-ounce glove thing, which we're going to talk about, was like the big news, which isn't really big news. But <laughs> that, they're trying to reload everybody with talking points. So, But they gave I get, us no talking points. Like, it, it, it completely, for us who write articles and written articles since the start, since the announcement, since the speculation— all the articles we've done, 
Yesterday, they took question from the major outlets, from the Post, from blah, blah, blah. And they took it from people who don't cover the sport regularly. And they rehashed stuff that we heard a week ago. Like, you just go listen yeah. to the media workout scrums. Like, those exact questions were answered then. And then there's yeah. the stupid questions. Like, yo, well, of course. Tell, tell me something no one else knows about you. Like, what kind they, of they question need- is that? Dude, they don't cover the sport day to day. And, and, you know, the person who asked that question was George Willis. And I know who George is. And George has covered boxing and MMA in the past. Oh, yeah. But he yeah. writes but he writes for a bigger publication and they want something different. So he's got to ask a question that's a little bit different. Granted, you're not going to get the greatest answer. But you're hoping, you know, a live wire like Conor out. McGregor is going to give you something different. But I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there isn't much to talk about. I mean... Imagine if you're Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Like, how much more can you talk about this fight? Yeah, you can't. You know, if you're Floyd, Ma- yeah, if you're Floyd, you're thankful that the Conor McGregor exists because he he relieves you of your duty of having to sell at every given turn. So, I, again, I get it. It's just there's there's really nothing else to say. Let's just, let's get this damn fight over with. Yeah, I mean the the race conversation was brought up a little bit, uh, mainly by Floyd. That was kind of like his last angle to play, the last card on the table. Um, McGregor was asked about it. He clearly downplayed it again. Is there like a real? Because to me, we're in it. So like we we see all of the other stupidness that kind of goes on. Mm-hmm. On the on the fan perspective, I just can't understand the dynamic of besides like little jokes like oh it's the great white hype actually coming you know to fruition. It's actually the real life version of that. Outside of that, I don't see like any race like heavy race tension. McGregor talked about the gorillas or the monkeys claims. Um, which to me, I didn't. I mean, I understand where everyone kind of took that and rolled with it, but he kind of called black people white people. He just called Floyd's whole group of people monkeys. I mean, there's two very large white men in that crew as well. Um, so he called them all very just monkeys. Like, I guess you take offense to that shit too. Connor just says stuff sometimes without uh, without true knowledge of the historical background to it, I guess, um, and how it would be perceived in America. So he, he kind of threw out the monkey's term and Floyd ran with it as a, as a little gem. But I, I don't see, like, race playing a huge role in it. Like, at this point, you know who Conor McGregor is and you know who Floyd Mayweather is. You're picking for different reasons than, oh, let me just go with the white guy to beat Floyd. Um, it's actually tough, man, because, I mean, you're right, because between Conor and Floyd, there aren't particularly racial overtures. But it's not Conor and Floyd that's going to start these racial things. It's fans. Yeah. And... You know, in Connor's case, the ill-advised comment that he did make, and for the record, I went back and watched Rocky Three, and there is a scene where uh, Rocky is training, and so is Clubber Lang, and they do this montage of both of them training. And during Rocky's training, there's like a celebration. There's people dancing. There's there's all. It's like a show, right? And this is why Rocky gets fucked up by Clubber Lang because when they go to Clubber. Clubber's like working out, and Rocky's like kissing babies and shit in between punches. So I think. That's what Connor may have been alluding to, right? And not the scene where Apollo Creed is training in the gym, where Rocky goes for the rematch. I think this was alluding to, so I could see how he can absolve himself of this particular thing. However, you still got to be very careful. And it sucks because, like, and I say it all the time, like, we're hypersensitive now. It's not like kind of sensitive. Like, you say anything and people are like, oh, you're bashing this, oh, you're bashing that. And so you have to be careful. And whether Conor McGregor meant to be funny or if he meant harm, it didn't matter because people took off with that. Floyd Mayweather saying he's fighting for all the blacks tells you all you need to know about Floyd Mayweather and his perception on race in America. 
fighting for all the blacks in the world. It was like a ridiculous comment. It's not what Floyd Mayweather's <laughs> ever done. He's fighting um, for all the money in the world, all the greens. Yeah, that's the only color he cares to him is green. I mean, dude, he remember. Don't let's not forget. He was actually with Donald Trump shortly after he got elected. <laughs> there was that whole photo op and all that yeah. shit. It's like, don't let's not forget who Floyd Mayweather is. And I'm going to try to question him on it, but I've, I know where this is going to go if, he, if I do it in a public setting. Um, but yeah, there's going to be racial overtures because there are fans, just like those white supremacist Nazis in Charlottesville, they're going to be cheering for Conor McGregor just because Floyd is black. And they're going to say racist things. So race is always going to be a factor. It's just not on the front lines with this particular fight. It's not like Cooney and Holmes. It's, it's not like... You know, it's not like any any other race fights that we've had. It's not like you go all the way back to when um, uh, Jim Johnson was fighting, like uh, Jack Johnson was fighting. It's not that, but it's there and exists. And people are going to hate Floyd Mayweather because he's black. Some people just hate him because he's a woman beater. Yeah, which is fair. <laughs> exactly, it's fair. It's like if you're Michelle Beadle and Rachel Nichols and them, and you don't rock with Floyd because he beats women. I have no problem with, with you having that taking that stance. But there are going to be people that are going to say, I just want to see that N-word get crushed. That's so, so funny because, like, the Nazi people will be supporting a clear immigrant coming over, making a bunch of money, and taking it back to his country. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Nothing worse than being black. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, there's not too much going on in the fight. Like, I guess you got to bring race into it. Um, you're searching. They're searching for any angle to play, right? Um, I, I think that's why we get the eight-ounce gloves, to be honest. It's just I don't think it changes the outcome of the fight. But it's just another talking point. It's like, yo, how can we drum up interest? What's the next thing we can do for running out of shit? It's like, yo, Floyd, are you willing to take the cut to eight-ounce gloves? It's like, yeah, fuck it. He's fought a lot in eight-ounce gloves. What's the difference, right? And yeah. it's just like, yeah, cool. But it's another talking point. It's another thing to put in the cycle. It's another thing, and Floyd this entire time has been searching for it, to legitimize Conor McGregor as a boxer and make it seem like he has a chance. This is another thing in that direction yeah i mean people got all excited like like i hate to say this right i really do but some of these mma fans are so fucking stupid <laughs> like it's like beyond record you know comprehension how dumb some people can be and if you're an mma fan and you're not a boxing fan stay in your lane to suggest that because they went from 10-ounce to 8-ounce gloves it means something for Conor, you're an idiot. It means absolutely nothing. Floyd Mayweather has fought all of his fights at 147 in 8-ounce gloves. At 154 is when you go up to a 10-ounce glove. But what difference does it make to Floyd Mayweather? As for Conor McGregor, it's still a heavily padded glove. It's still a fingerless glove. Yeah. It's still, I mean, it's still not a fingerless glove. What you actually have is less space to block, right? And I'm going to go way more in depth on this next week as to why Conor McGregor is going to lose this fight because it shouldn't need to go that in depth in the first place. But for people <laughs> who don't understand, I will explain it. But this eight ounce glove thing is a non factor, man. It's just a thing to, to it's like you said, it's just a thing to legitimize Conor McGregor and make him seem like a, an actual threat. That's it. When he's and, so and I give him a chance. I'm unlike most people. I give him a very minute chance, but I give him a chance because the man has never lied to me, right? Like, he just does what he says he's going to do. I didn't think he was... I picked Aldo to beat him. Um, stylistically, Aldo had the perfect style to beat Conor McGregor. Uh, and, you know, second to maybe Khabib, who can drag him down and beat the hell out of him. Um, and even then, I'm not sure if Khabib beats him. 
So I didn't see him beating Aldo. He knocked out Aldo in 13 seconds. He said he was going to do it. Told us how he was going to do it. Said it was going to be first round. He didn't lie to us. Um, so he says he's going to beat Floyd. Listen, I give the man a tiny chance. Just out of the respect for Conor McGregor and maybe willpower is the strongest shit in this world. But I don't see it. And the 8-ounce gloves doesn't make me see it anymore. One of the cases I made originally, I think I wrote the article for Champions, like, you know, five ways Conor McGregor can, you know, could beat Floyd Mayweather or something. Um, and it was just completely just nitpicking and finding hairs and extrapolating those into ways that if Conor McGregor may win by any chance, this is why. And one of the reasons I picked out was the surface area of the glove is so much larger than in MMA, his accuracy in MMA gloves is uncanny. So the larger surface area makes it, maybe gives him a chance, instead of grazing Floyd or going past Floyd, it lands, because he has a lot more glove to land. This shrinks that, and kind of, it's not helping. The, the smaller the glove gets, the smaller window you have to really catch Floyd, and I don't like that. Like, it, bigger gloves, in my opinion, weren't going to slow down Connor. Like, it was going to do nothing but help him block, which he doesn't block very well. You go back to Nate Diaz fight, the second one, he gets in trouble, right? And he's back against the cage, which is no different than back against the ropes. And he is horrible at blocking and covering his face. Yeah. And, and Nate I'm... eats him apart against the cage. So I'm like, damn, what is Floyd going to do? Because at this point... What, you can grab and hold maybe, but Floyd's going to put your ass right against the ropes again. So it, if just watch that fourth round against Nate Diaz, and you're just like, fuck, this doesn't transition well. But the bigger yeah. gloves could have helped. You know, guard your face a little bit. He couldn't do it in MMA gloves. Obviously, they're tiny. Maybe with boxing gloves, it would help. Shrinking the gloves presents no advantage to Conor McGregor. The power is going to translate in bigger gloves or smaller gloves. This did not help him at all. No, uh, and, and that's the thing. And I tweeted this about a week ago, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going back to it. It's not about what Connor throws; it's about what how he deals with what's coming back. That's what this fight is really all about. And Conor McGregor can throw all these wonderful punches and all these cute little an angles, but how do you deal with what's coming back to you? Like Connor is terrible defensively. A lot of MMA fighters are terrible defensively. They don't know how to block punches. They put their hands out. They try to grab. You know, they may cover up a little bit. Same thing with John Jones, right? He's yeah, it's pretty like bad defensively. DC just through their two fights, just fed him uppercuts. Like the shit was now, easy. Now, granted, a lot of this has to do with that there's so many ways to attack in MMA that it's really hard to block anything. Um, you just got to try to get out the way. However, this is boxing. And if you've never trained, you know, a specific discipline in how to block properly, somebody like Floyd Mayweather is going to kill you. <laughs> and, and again, it's, it's just the, the fact of the matter is, how's Connor going to block? How, and, and this isn't, you know, just cover your face. Because what Floyd Mayweather does better than anybody, just about anybody else in the business, is create space with his, with his left arm and go to the body with his right. And fighters, every fighter that I've talked to that have dealt with Floyd Mayweather, say his body shots hurt. Because you never really see them coming. Because he, he covers them so well. He disguises things so well. Conor McGregor doesn't have enough traps for 12 rounds, right? And you're not going to catch Floyd Mayweather clean. You know, everybody that Floyd Mayweather has fought for the last five or six years, I don't think any of them landed at a higher than a 30% clip. No. And I think Cotto might have caught him the most. But, dude. Maidana, maybe. But at times, 
and looked like he was. And it was, and that was just, it, he was mugging, you know, Floyd, and that was that was he was he was he was backing Floyd into a corner. Floyd stayed flat-footed and allowed Maidana to wail away. I think Floyd sort of miscalculated on the first Maidana fight, thinking Maidana was going to get tired, and he just didn't. He just kept coming. Yeah, which meant the second fight, Floyd was like, "All right, let me move around and make this a lot easier." Connor's conditioning is also going to be an issue because people are like, "Oh, he went five rounds when they did." Let's go back and watch that Nate Diaz fight and watch how much Conor ran. Turned his back to Nate and ran. You can't do that in boxing. It's not going to work. And if he's tired after, you know, five, ten rounds with, I mean, five, ten minutes with Nate Diaz, 36 minutes with Floyd Mayweather is going to be brutal. And I would point out that 170 pounds just, it looked horrible on him. He was weighed down. It was ugly. He, it, yeah. It weighed him down. It sapped his energy. Um, and I, sadly, I think we're going to see Conor McGregor at 170 pounds again at some point, um, whether that's Tyron Woodley or GSP. I, I yeah. think we see it again, and that's the worst version of Conor McGregor. And nice. it, it didn't look good. He was gassed. You, you get Conor for maybe two rounds at that point. 155, 154 like this fight, I, I give him a better cardio chance. Um, I just don't know how he holds up. Like, you can hit so much more in boxing. Than you do in MMA. People see the brutal knockout to MMA and be like, oh my God, that's so horrific. Yeah, but it still doesn't compare to the constant punishment you get hit with in boxing. And even the best boxers in the world outside of Floyd. Like everyone at the high tip top level gets hit a lot. And I just don't see how Connor deals with that over 12 rounds. That, again, you know, you fight somebody like, he's lucky that Floyd Mayweather has a low output, a lower output than most fighters. He did. Is gonna, he did have a lower output, but you think he will coming into this fight? No, I don't. I think Floyd Mayweather is going to, you know, like I said, we'll talk about it more in depth next week. But I think Floyd Mayweather is going to dig to that body early, make Conor expend a lot of energy in those first two or three rounds, and then completely ruin him in the middle rounds to take him out in the eighth or ninth. And, you know, I think he's going to ruin Conor McGregor. It's not one of those things where Conor... He doesn't really know how to pace himself. He's sparring 12 rounds with a retired 36-year-old show, Showtime commentator. Like, you're not really preparing yourself. Then there was a bullshit rumor that Floyd got knocked out by Zab Judah, Judah in sparring. Zab's not sparring with Floyd. <laughs> Neither is Errol. So it's like, I don't even understand where these things are coming from. Floyd's yeah, got Floyd a different was like, what? people. I was like, oh, shit. Well, I guess Errol's not in camp. I don't know who no. Floyd sparred against this camp, to be honest. The- where this whole thing came from was the ESPN article that talked about Floyd's old sparring partners. And people looked at that and was like, oh, he's sparring with Zab, Errol. No, he's not. He's got a different group of sparring partners. And Zab didn't knock him out. It's like, y'all, you guys got to cut it out. But anything to try to sell this fight. You know, Dana leaking the footage of Paulie getting knocked down. <laughs> people actually want to see Conor versus Paulie, like an honest-to-God fight. I do. I do. You do. <laughs> I absolutely want to see that fight. No, I don't I want absolutely, to see that. Fight. I would absolutely want to see it because can well this this I want to see it sooner rather than later. I don't want Paulie to get back into shape and do it because I think he might. <laughs> beat him. But I want, but I actually want to see the fight. I'm more intrigued by somebody who's pulling themselves off the couch, who has a true rivalry with with, with Connor now, and is like punching, so Connor doesn't have to worry about the power. But you know. And he's retired. That's who Connor should be fighting. He shouldn't be fighting the best boxer that the, this generation. To be fair, seen. you just described Floyd Mayweather, someone who's retired, pulling themselves off the couch. Yeah, but he's still the, the, the power. Best. Yeah, you know, shouldn't really hurt Connor. He shouldn't be afraid. People would say Connor Mayweather doesn't have that power anymore. You just described right. Floyd Mayweather, just with a lot less money involved. 
Well, a lot less money and, you know, a lot more losses. And, yeah, you know, it's true. Has, he was washed has, before he left. Yeah. Floyd has way more knockouts than Pauly. It's like 26 to 7. And Floyd <laughs> hits harder than Pauly, too. Pauly can't crush a grape. And that's everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, he's um, a points fighter. Yeah, that is very so. true. That's, like you said, we'll talk more about it next week. We'll have a lot more uh, info. The fight will be closer. We'll talk about, you know, the atmosphere in Vegas. That's one of the things we always talk about during F- Floyd Mayweather week, right? And we'll see. Are, are the ratchets coming in? Is it the ratchet parade oh, yeah. that we're used to? Oh, yes. I have it on good, uh, good knowledge from a few inside sources that the ratchets <laughs> are coming. <laughs> yeah, the ratchets invade 2017. I didn't think we'd see it again. I'm happy. The ratchets oh, yeah. and the Irish combination is about to be so crazy. Yo, look. I think we're going to have to sometime next week. I, I, I don't know how crazy it's going to be overall. I do know we have a fight on Tuesday. Uh, maybe with a promotions fight at Samstown for whatever the fuck reason. But um, I think we have to go drinking with the Irish sometime next week. Yo, I'm down. I mean, granted, I, just want, I, just I work at 5 a.m. every day, but I'm 29 for a reason. So I'll roll myself into work. I mean, we just got <laughs> to fully immerse ourselves in the culture of the fight. It's our journalistic duty to go drinking with the Irish. I, I mean, I, I just need to see the worlds of the drunk Irish and the African-Americans who come to town to never go to a Floyd Mayweather fight, but to party like it's 1999. But you know, the minute that you announce that we're hitting the streets to drink with the Irish, every ratchet person you know is going to hit you up and try to drag us to a party. That, that is true. I'm just letting you know. So... so we're going to be dodging ratchet people and drinking with the Irish. That sounds well, yeah. like an experience. It, it probably will. We'll, we'll talk about it more in depth next week. <laughs> um, okay, but we have a boxing match this weekend. So we got to touch on that before we take a quick break. Bud Crawford versus Ndongo. Two champions unifying a title. Someone has to come out and win. McGregor has better odds against Floyd Mayweather than Ndongo does against Bud Crawford. Yeah. How does this happen? <laughs> okay so here's how it happens like i put up the odds the other day bovada has the best odds conor mcgregor is a plus 350 floyd williams a minus 450 which means if you bet a hundred dollars on floyd you win 45 bucks right so it takes a hundred it you takes a hundred dollars away yeah and, and people are like that's crazy people who don't bet are like that's crazy no that's fucking beautiful i'm <laughs> betting floyd mayweather like, putting a g betting. down putting a g down on floyd and getting that that quick 450 kickback would be nice yeah so but in dongo on the other hand um, the last time I checked, he is a plus like two thousand. It's something re- like completely <laughs> ridiculous. But it's he's a I believe he's a plus two. Th- you know what? I'm gonna check while we're sitting here. I'm gonna check because I know. Okay, so Crawford, according to Bovada, is a minus twenty two fifty. Jesus, which means <laughs> which means you, he's unbettable essentially, unless you got like a million dollars if you want to win like some chump change. And Andango is like a plus 950. In other sports books, he's as high as a plus 1,200. Four times higher than what Conor McGregor is right now. Andango is undefeated. He actually <laughs> beat a champion in Ricky Burns. Granted, he's fought most of his fights in Nambia, which means he hasn't fought elite competition. But he's a professional boxer who hasn't lost a fight. And he's got worse odds than Conor McGregor. So how does this happen? That's the question. How does this happen? Conor McGregor has talked himself into a position where so many people are putting money on Conor McGregor. So in order to allocate, the sportsbook have to shrink the line. So the line continues to shrink because they need money to go the other way to even this thing out. 
Because in the unlikely event that Conor McGregor knocks out Floyd Mayweather, they will lose a buttload of money. Crazy so, amounts of money. So I, I know that somebody bet the limit, which is 880000 on Floyd Mayweather like last Friday. So you might see the line start to spread back out. And there's going to be a lot of late money that comes in on Floyd, which leads me to believe that Floyd will end this at around minus 550. But it's just crazy how Mystic Mac has talked himself into a position where people believe he's going to win this fight and are willing to put money down on it. Yeah, and they're not putting crazy. large they're not putting large amounts. They're not going to be putting $880,000 down on Conor McGregor. They're putting $100 here, $200 there. It's like, I think it's like 75% of the bets are for McGregor, but, but all the money will be on Mayweather. So yeah. it gets really tricky, but I, this, that's how lines get to where they are. It's marketing, man. It's, and the it's Irish bizarre. still haven't arrived. No, and they're going to, man, those drunk motherfuckers are going to be putting so much money on Conor McGregor because they, they won't care. They're already here. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, why not put $100 on my boy and watch him get beat up? So it's it's crazy. But, yes, and Dongo's a, a massive underdog for good reason because Crawford should get him out of there because Crawford's a, a, a menace to society. The dudes are brutal. But, but I think he gives Crawford a tough fight, a tougher fight than uh, he's had in, in a quick second. I I think Crawford wears him down Tougher late. than post uh, and he watched Postal. Postal and, and the reason why I say Postal is because Ndango is tall and rangy like Postal. Postal had a, a better pop, but Ndango does not. He does not really hit that hard. Yeah. Um, he caught Ricky Burns with a clean punch, but this isn't going to be tough. Like Crawford makes adjustments. If you want to bet, and I wrote about this, if you want to bet, bet on the draw. Because then you're just betting on incompetent judges and less than the, the, the fighter's ability. <laughs> a draw is like a plus 2,500 right now. So just bet it. You know, put twenty five dollars down and you you you'll clean up. But, dude, there's no Indongo's not winning this fight. I don't think not, so. Not I think Crawford wears him down later in the fight. Um, not sure if it's a stoppage, but I I probably think it goes to the cards. Um, but it's gonna be clear. Uh, I think Crawford wins. The question becomes, what's next? When you unify the titles, which is rarely done today, what do you do? It's Mikey Garcia or one forty seven, right? Like that. It's, you you it's have two Mikey options. Yeah, it's, it's Mikey. It's Mikey Garcia probably at one forty at one forty and then move up because um, that's the, it's a big fight and I, I'm not really sure in the sense that, you know if you're Bob Barron I don't even know how you can build up Mikey or Terrence any more than having them fight each other. It, it's like and well I mean you know Mikey's not with top rank but if you take Terrence Crawford and you look at the landscape of one forty onto Bob Arum if you're not going to get the Pacquiao fight so. You may try to reach out. I don't even know if they make that fight. But Mikey Garcia is a fight that I want to see. But the Pacquiao fight would be a good fight. But we've been saying that for years. Yeah, I just at this point with Pacquiao losing to Jeff Horn, he's well, he got robbed though. Yeah, but he still lost, and he didn't look good even though he got robbed. It's not like it's not like Pacquiao came out and you were like he got robbed, but to in, truly inferior competition. Beating Pacquiao is not what it used to be. So. And he's, he's good in real. hindsight on the resume. Not really. Years from now, like, twenty years from now, you got Pacquiao win on your resume. It's gonna look no, great. Nobody cares, cares that Camacho beat Ray Leonard. Like nobody cares. You know what I'm saying? Like when you beat somebody as well past, like all the people that have beaten Roy Jones, nobody cares. Okay. Well, he it's lost not like lot. Antonio Tarvin knocking out Roy Jones. Like you got decimated. You know, HBO commentator Roy Jones, totally different guy. It's like beating Shane Mosley. Nobody cares. You know, it's like a lot of people beat Shane Mosley late, though. <laughs> but that's but that's my point. Like nobody cares. Like you want to beat it when it Did can it? actually enhance your career. It's Did not going to enhance. Did Canelo beat him? 
Yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares. Okay. He was washed up. <laughs> but I mean, but this was actually like that Shane who lost to Canelo and Pacquiao. It was like shortly after beating Margarita, but losing to Floyd and then losing to Pacquiao and then losing. Like it, it comes to a point where these losses just don't matter. And in Pacquiao's case, by losing to Jeff Horn and having a rematch with Jeff Horn, it puts Terrence Crawford on the sidelines to wait another year for a Pacquiao fight. That's okay. Move on. Move on. You're good enough that you don't need Manny Pacquiao anymore. Yeah. Does it? So, so go fight to sell, though. Manny still sells. That's for now. For now. You know, until he collapses in the ring because Bob Arum's working him to death. Um, yeah, that's it, man. That's that's pretty much boxing. This Everything in this opening segment, it feels like. We're going to take a quick break. Talk MMA. There's only a little bit to talk about there, so that'll be quick. And then we're getting into wrestling because there's a ton to talk about. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. And if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like. And then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. What up, everybody? Welcome back. That was a quick break, right? We're here to talk MMA. Uh, really, it's just UFC, and there's not a lot to talk about because Dana White has put the entire organization on a freeze to focus on Conor McGregor. Uh, we'll see how that tactic works out. And still, though, they're patchworking matches going forward in the future. Something that involves Conor McGregor. It seems like an interim title match is coming together. Soon to be finalized, I believe. I don't think it was finalized yet. Um, Reports yesterday said they were just working on it. But Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee for the interim title, supposedly here in Vegas in October. I don't understand. Well, listen, big ups to Kevin Lee. He worked his way up quick, and he's looked good. But for an interim title shot already, when Khabib is still out there, when, you know, there's, I guess the division's not at its deepest, 
But you even have like Gaethje and all these people, people with better resumes than Kevin Lee, deserving of a title shot. But that's what it seems like we're going to get. I, I don't know why necessarily, except Tony Ferguson is tired of waiting around. Well, here's what's happening. Yes, it is booked. It is confirmed. Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson will fight for the interim title on uh, October 7th, UFC 216. So here's why this is happening. Uh, Dana White says that Khabib Nurmagomedov is not ready. I don't necessarily believe him. What I do believe is Dana White doesn't trust Khabib Nurmagomedov, so he bypassed him. Next on the list is Eddie Alvarez in, in the top 10. Eddie Alvarez is currently entrenched in the TUF series with Justin Gaethje. Eliminates both of them. And Gaethje's five, Eddie Alvarez is three. Number four is Edson Barbosa. Tony Ferguson already beat Edson Barbosa. Number six is Nate Diaz. That's not happening. (laughs) And then number seven is Kevin Lee. This is why you have this fight happening. So you just run Um, down the list. Yeah, you just run down the list. You figure out who's there. And you figure you need to create a number one contender um, in the event that Conor McGregor fights early next year. He's not fighting at the end of the year. This basically confirms he's not fighting at the end of the year. Unless Unless, Dana actually believes that he wants Khabib. Right. But it's all a matter of trusting Khabib, and I just don't believe Dana trusts Khabib. And I think that's why this is happening. Because otherwise, you know, Khabib and Tony would be fighting for the interim title, and they wouldn't be doing Kevin Lee. Now, the other reason why you go with Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee also has a mouthpiece, and he's pretty good at selling a fight. A Kevin Lee kind of McGregor feud would be golden in terms of trash talk. Oh, Connor, Tony as well, though. Yeah, well, I mean, Tony as well. But I'm just saying, when you put Kevin Lee in there... It, it's still that that's a mouthpiece. It's the reason why you don't go to Poirier or or Anthony Pettis or anybody else. Kevin Lee make he makes sense for that particular position. It's just weird because he's ranked number seven. He beat Michael Chiesa and now he's in the spot. But it's, it's all timing, man. Like if Gagey wasn't booked uh, with Eddie Alvarez, you know maybe Gagey gets that shot. I, I I don't I'm not sure. Lightweight the lightweight division is stacked in a very strange way where guys like Gagey is too soon for him to get a title shot. Eddie Alvarez already lost to Conor McGregor. Khabib and Tony thing hasn't really shook out. And so you're kind of stuck with trying to find a guy in the lower half of the top 10, and that's Kevin Lee. Um, I mean, it's worked out I for think, them before. I understand, you know, rushing someone to the top and just saying, hey, give the kid a chance. It's worked out. Um, yeah. I mean, we just saw that with Bobby Knuckles, right? So yeah, Robert I mean, Whitaker, he, he did it. He rose up the rankings quick, took the opportunity, boom, he's an interim champion. Yeah, and like I said, it's all timing. You know, if, if these things shook out a little bit differently, you know, maybe Kevin Lee wouldn't be in this position. Um, but he, here he is. He's fighting. It's in October. It's in Vegas. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, I think Tony Ferguson should be the prohibitive favorite here for reasons that make a lot of sense because he just kind of mows down the competition. But you never know, man. You never know with, with Kevin Lee. You never know. Tony Ferguson has been clipped before. Uh, Groovy V <laughs> clipped Tony Ferguson on some last minute shit, you know, Veneta, people didn't know who he was and he he nearly got rid of Ferguson. Yeah. Anything can happen. No, that's very true. It's interesting to see what that fight is. I don't know what the rest of the Vegas card looks like though, because I mean, unless we get Kane versus Stipe, I don't know what sells that that fight cuz it looks like NYC is being stacked. Well, yeah, I mean, well, Bisping and GSP of course, and now you got uh Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. Um, then it I looks like Rose versus Joanna as well. Right. Um, but, you know, 
I mean, they already booked Amanda and Shevchenko. So there's still Cyborg could possibly end up on the Vegas card if they want to go that route. Cyborg and Holly Holm. I mean, the Vegas card is almost done, it, it, which is crazy because it's kind of flown under the radar. Because you got Ferguson and Lee. They, and Ferguson really? and Lee is not I, yo, I had no clue. It was almost done. Yeah, Ferguson, Lee, uh, Benir Darus and Evan D- Dunham, Will Brooks and Nick Lentz, uh, Talos Ladies and Brad Tavares, John Moraga is on the card, Walt Harris is on the card, Bobby Green and Groovy V, Lando Veneta are on the card. So they need another, they need at least one or two more fights. That two sounds more fights. like a Fox card. That's what I'm saying. They're going to add, it may be Cyborg Holly Holm, or it may be Stipe if they get this contract thing figured out. Somebody is going, somebody else is going to fight on this card. Um, trying to think who else are we missing here Whitaker's not fighting uh, uh i think demetrius is already booked um yeah he's booked for september uh max holloway doesn't have a fight yet max holloway does not have a fight and that that frankie Edgar fight could end up on vegas yeah but how do you miss on putting that in new york well because new york i mean once listen, again you can only have so many title fights but but that's my point it's like the card once you stack a card it comes to a point where stacking it becomes moot. And it's like, you're not going to get any more pay-per-view buys. Now you're just stacking the card for the sake of ruining the rest of your cards. So you need to put somebody else on this Vegas card. So Max Holloway versus Frankie Yeager, I could see ending up on the Vegas card. It's not, I think it makes sense. Um, if it's not Cyborg and Holly Holm, one of those two need to end up on the Vegas card. Yeah, I... Cyborg Holly Holmes seems like it'd have to get done quick. And with Cyborg stays in pretty good shape. Yeah. But I Holly just, Holm, I I'm not sure if she's that excited to take it. Who's, who, that's, that's in, in general, is I, I excited to think, fight? <laughs> I truly think it's going to be Halloween Edgar. I don't think that Holly Holmes is going to be jumping up to this comp, to the to the challenge. So no, I, I think that's, that's more think of a about. December fight for Cyborg. Yeah. We'll see. You know, we'll see. You know, maybe, I mean, they may throw something like a Wonder Boy Masvidal fight on this card. I could see that happening. Um, there's a few things, ways it can go. It's, you know, it's not going to be as big as the New York card, but it should be a pretty decent card. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to be there regardless, right? So it is what it is. I just don't want it to be a warm-up card. I, I feel like that, you know, 216 already, or excuse me, um, 215 is that reintroduction warm-up card no disrespect to mighty mouse but yeah. it's gonna fly under the radar um everyone's gonna be talking about triple g canelo and it's just like okay whatever yeah it's, it's like the week before yeah and it's not a bad card i mean you know aside from the fact that dj should run over ray borg nunez sevchenko is a fight i want to see and gotten win jds is a fight i want to see um i'm kind of i'm interested in neil magny and, and rafael dos anjos I, i'd like to to see how that fight turns out. Um, Wilson Race and Harry Cejudo is on that card. It's not a bad card. It's just going to get, you know, between the madness of Mayweather McGregor and Canelo Triple G. Yo, boxing is winning this year. Sorry, UFC. Boxing is winning. Yeah, well, when the UFC's biggest star goes over to boxing, it tells you something. I mean, even before this, boxing was having a better year than UFC. Yeah, and Conor just tipped the scales. Literally, you take the other promotion's best star. And bring them into yep. your realm. It's crazy. Um, I don't think we ever see that in boxing, by the way. We're not just going to wake up and Errol Spence is going to be like, yo, let me just challenge for a 145-pound title. Yeah, absolutely not. 
So I don't, I don't ever think we see that. Uh, in the reverse, what else is there? That's pretty much it, man. Cody versus TJ in New York, and, and that's it. It's just all future fights. There's nothing going on. We're, we're in a <laughs> UFC freeze. It's so yeah. crazy. Dana White doesn't even care, even though his Tuesday series has been great. I haven't watched a single one. And people are going to be like, what? I haven't, dude. I oh, haven't. watch it with Snoop commentary. When you that's, what I, that's what I've watched a little bit, like very little of the Snoop commentary. I'm going to go back and watch it. Um, I'm actually going to go down there one of these days. I was about but, to say, we got to go. Yeah. To, I've been to one in person. It was dope. They feed you. It was cool. <laughs> they feed you. Yo, yeah, okay. whenever we Good get enough. the free food, you know we're in there. That's, that's how we roll. We're all about the free food around here. Um, let's take a quick break. We got to come back. We got to talk wrestling. There's a shitload of wrestling to talk about. So you wait, stay- wait, wait. I, I just got an email. Oh, Sean Porter is no longer on the the fight on the card. Oh, I think I saw that email. Um, yeah, withdrew with family for family. And you know, so. it has to be something because I've been texting Sean and Kenny all week because I was going to go down there and interview him. I interviewed Badu Jack earlier, and I got radio silence. I hit up Andrew Roberts and the team over at uh, PBC and Swanson. And they both told me, they was like, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, it's just taking a little time. I'm like, dude, the fight is next week. If, if Sean is not doing any interviews, something must be up. Yeah. Something's up. Hopefully all is well with Sean Porter. It sucks because he would have been in a prime spot on this card. Um, damn. I feel, I feel really bad for him, too. Yeah, that I'm sure sucks. he was looking forward to it. Like I said, a lot of eyes. And especially yeah. with that being the, the fight right before the pay-per-view. And being on television, it would have been yep. the one everyone sees and everyone watches. So, uh, But family comes first. And we know that about Sean. And um, hopefully everyone over there is okay. Best of wishes to Sean. And we look forward to seeing him back in the ring, man. Sean never pulls out of, like, you know. It, yeah. Sean, if he says he's going to fight, he's going to fight. So it has to be something, you know, that really needed his attention. So um, we're praying for him. And, yeah, man, that's crazy. Hopefully, you know. We, we get a good fight anyway. There's, it, it's been a replace. They got a replacement fighter, UFC style. So we'll see. Um, yeah. All right. So we're going to break. We're coming back with wrestling. You guys stay tuned. All right, everybody, before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you are satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100 day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know like 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code.
All right, we are back with pro wrestling. And first, we got to start with talking about and sending our best wishes to Ric Flair. Um, man, I ain't ready to lose Rick. So hopefully he pulls through. Uh, every day it's a different report. It's, some, it's just crazy. It's like he was, we just saw him. He was just fine. We're all hype about the documentary in November. And then this comes out. It's just, man, I'm not ready to see my idols go. It's yeah, getting it's, to it's, that it's age. It's not cool. It's hard, man. In the case of Ric Flair, because, you know, I'm hearing about colon surgery going the wrong way. And it just seems like when you get older, surgery just becomes like a less of an option because you actually die having the surgery than whatever's killing you to get you in surgery in the first place. So hopefully, you know, Flair, is, it pulls out of this. Um, the time, he couldn't be crazier with the 30 for 30 around the corner. Um, and if anybody is aware, the 30 for 30 documentary is semi-based on a story that was done in Grantland about Ric Flair's life. Grantland is still up, so if you can go find it, read this article on Ric Flair. It's a great story. Um, and it's not great in the sense, it's not like a heroic story. It just kind of talks about the trials and tribulations of Ric Flair and his issues with his wives and everything else. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, you got your daughter out here wrestling and you got this documentary coming out and, you know... His presence on social media is always welcome. Uh, just hopefully he pulls through. And yeah, the, the wrestling community, and I'm, I'm sure the greater world who has always admired Ric Flair is because it's a man who has given his all to this business. There are very few people who love what they do, regardless of what they're making. Ric Flair is, is a guy, you know, people talk about him crying all the time, but he truly loves what he does um, and what he had the opportunity to do. And, I, and maybe he's at a point where he doesn't know what to do without it. So hopefully he pulls through. Yeah, definitely. Um, man, all right. Now, from that into G1. and The best goddamn wrestling on the planet. Dave Meltzer threw his fucking scale out the window. Yeah. I- <laughs> like, yo, like, five stars. He just shitted on the whole five-star rating. Like, he doesn't care anymore. No apologies. Um, let's see. Someone just tweeted me a couple of the things. Okada Omega 3 got six stars, it looks like. Five yeah, for Naito Tanahashi and 5.75 for Naito Omega. Six for Okada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he just, I mean, yo, there are so. This rating scale is like whatever. But it also speaks, you know, it puts Dave in a tough position because, yes, he could give you all these five stars, but we are arguably in having the, the, the greatest stretch of classic matches in a long time in pro wrestling and okada omega all three of them were phenomenal and then you have like this i mean we're going to talk about g1 being as great as it was but then you had shibata and okada then you had suzuki and okada which was not a five-star in my opinion but it was close you had osprey and kushida like you've had i mean you've argued bait versus done was a five-star like they have been some excellent excellent matches this year so i can get why he was like well screw it i'm just gonna throw my my system out the window um, <laughs> like it's on but, another no, level now just make it out it, of 10 it, like do something like this i wouldn't necessarily say that i won't go out and say that this is the greatest g1 i've ever seen because it wasn't a lot of drama as to who was going to be in the finals but those some of these matches like each run was phenomenal um you know akota abushi looked great and I, 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 we're going to get Abushi versus Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. You can pretty much book it. Um, but, it, yo, this has just been some phenomenal wrestling. So let's talk about it. I mean, instead of talking about the whole tournament, let's just talk about the last three days. You had the A-Block Finals, 
the B Block Finals, and we ended with Naito versus Omega. So, what were your thoughts? First off, when I was watching it, probably the best booking I've seen of anything in two decades. Like, it worked out perfectly over the card. Perfectly. And to have it as kind of like a rematch and you're revisiting it, and the final was amazing. It just went so many different ways. I, I think, one, I wanted Naito to win, right? It's just, I think he's been the top heel in the company. We've talked about this. And I thought it was time for him to get the push. No disrespect to Omega or anything, but it was his time. And then you, you look, and Omega kind of like sleepwalked through the tournament, I would say. And then turned it on at the end. Semis, finals, incredible, right? And then you, you look at someone like Okada, who did great through the tournament and didn't hurt himself at all. And then you had surprises like Big Mike having some great matches. Um, man, Zack Sabre Jr. looked great. Uh, Abushi looked amazing. Probably was my MVP before that final day. So it, everyone looked good. There was nostalgic moments, you know. Um, it was just a perfectly planned out tournament. Every year I say this, and I'll be like, oh, this year tops all other G1s for me. It's my favorite one that I've watched. I say it again. It's my favorite G1. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go out and say it's the best book in the last 20 years. I, I do think the year that, well, was that last year? When Tanahashi and Okada had the draw and the way that played out, or two years before oh, that, that when, dope. Yeah, they, I mean, G1 is, yeah, G1 has always been brilliantly booked. This was a year, though, and the reason that a lot of people, the heavy betting favorite was Tetsuo Naito. And they, pretty much everybody figured he'd go against Omega because Omega had to get his win back against Okada. But then you just kind of watch those things play out and how good it was. And, yeah, Koto Ibushi was great, but Michael Elgin, man, he had a tournament. And it takes a guy like Michael Elgin, who was the ROH champion and was you know, pretty much stalling his career out. He went to New Japan and just took off. Um and you, guys like Michael Elgin, you know, did well. You planted new storylines because it, it seems like we're going to get Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. at the next pay-per-view. Um, it seems like we're going to get Juice Robinson probably competing for the U.S. title because he beat Kenny Omega. So it's like they, they booked themselves very well, unlike the haphazard booking of the WWE. Um, but yeah, And then you have the stare-down backstage that they released. Yeah, with th- Omega versus Abushi, which is going to be great. And if we get that at Wrestle Kingdom, then listen. No, I'm we're happy. getting it. We're getting it at Wrestle Kingdom. We're getting Naito and Okada, and we're going to get Abushi uh, and Omega. And I'm curious, man, because I think I'm going to I'm going to go out of and say that this, one of the greatest comebacks ever, just seeing Shibata make his way to the ring, and then say it's basically saying I'm alive, and that's <laughs> and that's it. That's Yo, it. There, were, there were women crying in the crowd. Like, that was a <laughs> phenomenal moment because it wasn't like the WWE where you knew he was coming back. Nobody knew, and Shibata's music hit, and you can see Shibata being super emotional, and people know I'm a Shibata mark. And I was like, yo, this is very well handled. I'm just curious, does he ever wrestle again? And if he does wrestle again, I can see him facing Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom for the IC title. Listen, but, I didn't um, know if the guy was going to walk again. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, that was wrestling. Like, it was amazing just to see him walk down they, to the ring. They protected his status very well. 
like whatever was going on with him, the brain bleed and everything else, they protected it very well to the point where, you know, as much as I want to see Shibata wrestle, I, is it hell? Is he healthy enough to wrestle? I don't know how, how damaged he is after that, but man, everything about the G one is great. Um, I've been going back and forth on my favorite match between Okada and Omega and uh, Omega and uh, Naito because o- Omega and Naito, that final stretch was ridiculous. That was and, crazy. And I mean, spinning Destinos, you know, table, like it took the power driver. Destinos. And the table in New Japan is still undefeated. Yeah, that table doesn't take an L for shit. <laughs> like um, they still couldn't go through the damn table. Yeah, I mean, there was so much. But then the Omega-Okada, the third match between them, what made that so great was that Okada was compromised. He had his neck hurt, and Omega was attacking, attacking, attacking the neck. And Okada couldn't finish him off, even though he gave him two Rainmakers, but he was too fatigued. So basically, it gives a caveat to say, okay, you finally beat me, but you didn't beat me when I was at my best. So there's still a storyline there for them to have another match for the title. Dude, G1 is just... it's it, and I said this in people, you know, I said this online. It's like if you if you haven't watched, if you say you're a pro wrestling fan, you've never watched G1 or New Japan, you're not really a fan. And that doesn't mean that you have to be a fan of New Japan, but it means that you should watch it. Just watch it one time. Get past the language barrier because they have an English commentary now. Just watch it. Yeah, the finals are in English, right? Final yeah, the finals, the A, the A block, the B block finals, the, the actual finals, and the first two days are always in English now. Um, especially with New Japan World. Yeah, I would say watch A Block, B Block Finals, and the final, and it's hard to not be a fan. Yeah, that's that's all I'm saying. Like, just watch it, and then you'll be like, like if you, all you grew up on was WWE, I totally understand. Give this a chance, and that, like just expand your horizons in professional wrestling. It's just like music, man. It's like if you like Kendrick Lamar, if you like Drake, expand your horizons. Dig for some underground shit. Dig, dig for some independent artists. There is much, just because it's the best-selling wrestling in the world doesn't make it the best wrestling in the world. Yeah. New Japan is, right now, it's crazy because you remember just over a year ago, we were talking about, man, you lost Nakamura, Styles, Gallows, and Anderson. What are they going to do? Well, shit, they're still going to be better than everybody else. (laughs) It's not the talent you have. It's the way you book this talent. Yep. Like, look at Juice Robinson, completely mismanaged in NXT, had a great run in G1. It's like I'm still not a fan of Juice to, Robinson, but he was booked very well. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying. Michael Elgin, who stalled out in Ring of Honor, comes to New Japan, rejuvenates his career. Um, I, I New Japan is the best wrestling on the planet right now. Easily, I, I don't. There's nothing that can beat it. And I love ROH. And I love PWG, and it's just untouchable. Even Lucha is great. Has been great, but nothing's touching New Japan. Nah, I can't. Man, I can't put anything above it at all. Um, talking about. The E, we got to go and preview NXT Brooklyn, what is it, 3, and SummerSlam. I'm assuming we're starting with NXT. Uh, I've actually enjoyed NXT. Listen, it's been, (laughs) they could have had better feuds, right? Like, Roderick Strong versus Bobby Roode should have been the main event. It's not. Even though yeah, they kind of yeah. teased a triple threat, but really didn't follow through with it on this last episode. Um, with Bobby Roode interfering and wrecking Roderick Strong and Drew McIntyre. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, night of. They just announced, like, hey, it's a triple threat. Um, so that might be cool. And then I just don't understand why Cassius Ono isn't fighting Atami when you built it up for, what, five months? 
<laughs> and instead, Aleister Black is. I understand Aleister Black is a star, and you just can't leave him off. But it's kind of stupid and shitty. This is, um, but yeah, this is all indic- like I feel like all, all the WWE writers are having the same problem, and it's like they're just mismanaging, mistiming these feuds. And I get things change on the fly with injuries and what have you, but. If you look at this Takeover Brooklyn card, you go three like two to three months ago, and you say, "Okay, well, who should be feuding?" You would immediately say Rude and Strong. You would say Oscar and Ember Moon because that's the only feud on this card that makes sense because it's been built up. The Hustlers of Pain and Sanity, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have. I like that somebody else would be in the picture. I don't because I have nobody to cheer for. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes I like heel versus heel things, right? Yeah. But Authors of Pain, I don't necessarily care for. And Sanity, I don't necessarily, like, that pairing of Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane, I don't care for either because they've done nothing for me in terms of earning that spot. They're just big. Yeah, that's and pretty that, much it. You I, kind so of were more that. invested, once again, if Heavy Machinery was in the title picture, it would make more sense. Yeah, like, so, I mean, you something. had an investment into yeah, the so, uh, Give the Street Profits an immediate title shot. <laughs> I mean, the, like your point with Cash Sono, yes, he should be. This should be a triple threat. They should have been timed out to give him a, at least another week or two of working this into a triple threat match with Black, Ono, and Atami, and have all three of these having heat with one another, where Atami and Ono have the most seed. Black's just here just to kick people in the face. That would have been more exciting. I get why Gargano's on the car facing Almas because Ciampa's injured. Um, I just don't get why it's ominous and could have been anybody else. It's yeah. kind of weird that Gargano... It could have been Gargano versus Black. I understand his face versus face, but who cares? Yeah, Black's kind of mysterious. Just, He's in the gray area. Like, like This booking is just odd to me. You just got uh, you know Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. They're not on the card. There's just a well, lot of... Well, usually when you debut, you're not on the card, right? Like, if yeah, you but like this, this card has holes in it. Like This is a takeover. It's only going to be two hours long. Oscar and Ember Moon, in my opinion, should be the main event because the only few that really matters because Rude and McIntyre have like zero heat. They have about as the only the only title match that has less heat than this one is Nakamura and Jinder Mahal, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this NXT Takeover, I'm not doubting that it's not going to be surprisingly good. Um, but in comparison to the other takeovers, this is bad. This is, I mean, it's not even bad. It's just not good. It's not up to it's not up to NXT standards. It's, I, I'm not invested. But we said this about the last one, and it came through, and it surprised. It wasn't bad. I, I didn't like the last one. You, you remember? <laughs> I didn't. I thought it was okay. You know, I thought. Um, I thought. What was the, what was the last one? Uh, I thought DIY and Authors of Pain was great. Um, Bobby Roode and Adeo Atami, I didn't care for. I thought the that was triple threat. Well. Yeah, like like the triple threat with Oscar Ruby Wright and Nikki Cross was eh. But Peter, Peter Dunn and Tyler Bate really like stole the show there. It was a good card, right? Like, but again, it was one of those things where it was good, but the, like some of the feuds just they had no heat. And it's like you gotta if you're in sports entertainment, give me some entertainment, right? Yeah. To go along with this great wrestling that you supposedly have, and I've I've gone on record as saying I'm not a big fan of Bobby Roode's in ring work. I think he's a great character. So give me a few. I think that, that might bother you as much as anything. Like the guy up top it does. isn't. What they've had, and it does. At the but see, end, you don't get that same pop. The thing with Bobby Roode is like, I think he's a a great champion in the sense he's a great heel champion where you want to see a babyface beat him. But give me a reason to invest in Drew McIntyre. I have no reason to invest in him beating Bobby Roode. No, nah, like he Strong, just came I back. Let's reason. push him. Yeah, like Roddy, I had a 
reason. Like Roderick Strong, the whole family thing, I have a reason to root for Roderick Strong. So why is he not in this title match? I don't get it. It just doesn't make sense to me. This is haphazard and kind of lazy booking. Yeah, he should be. I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't. And he's the underdog kind of character that NXT was built on, right? He's the Sami Zayn. He's the yeah. They, they, they built him up to that, and the NXT crowd loves that. I don't know why he's not in it. Um, let's give our predictions though. Gargano versus Andrea Andrade Almas with Zelina Vega, which is Gargano. an odd name. Yeah. Tia, you know, Thea Trinidad would have just been fine, but regardless, <laughs> they changed her name because it's the E. To Selena Vega, and I think Andrade wins finally. I don't. Gargano needs momentum going into the Champa match, so I don't Chompa see match Gargano for nine months. That injury was real. Yeah, no, I know it's real. I just don't see Gargano losing uh, to Almas because Almas again, it's just he's I been see losing. Selena Vega cheating and building Andre Andrade into a bigger heel. I hope you're right because Andrade has been booked like shit since showing up in NXT. So I hope you're right. I just don't think. The way the WWE books things, I think they're going to go with, with Gargano. But we'll see. I hope you're right. Um, Aleister Black, Hideo Tommy. Aleister Black's winning. <laughs> like, the guy's on yeah. fire. Yeah, he'll be fighting for the title next at the next takeover. He Chances are. Yeah, I mean, he's character-wise, he's the best guy they have. As a yeah, pure character. He's, he's got a great package in the, in. He's Tommy. He's Tommy fucking in the guys. He's he's a mean streak striking type of wrestler. So yeah, he should beat Tommy. Uh, authors of Pain versus Sanity. Uh, there's no there's no reason the Authors of Pain should lose this match, but they might. <laughs> I don't see why Sanity Sanity has like they have zero heat as well. So it's like so. Authors of Pain should win and continue until they find a uh, until they form Red Dragon to beat them. Authors of Pain should just keep winning. <laughs> no, that's true. I, I give you that. Um, but uh, Red Dragon is so small to beat the Authors of Pain, right? I mean, come on, man. And they're DIY. submission based, so Authors of Pain have to tap. Yeah, it's a greater uh. visual. It's a great visual, like when DIY beat the Revival when the Revival tapped. And we know Red Dragon can tap motherfuckers out. So, and they're like strikers too. So, yeah. Uh, but I don't, who knows that. if they even go that route? Adam Cole should be showing up this pay per view as well. By the way, yeah, he should and be in the crowd. In our group chat, those talks of like a stable of yeah, indie guys—that's that's yeah, that's, that's horrible. Just anyway, everyone on. separate. Um, Oscar versus Ember Moon probably match of the night. If what we saw at the house show six months ago is any indication. Um, yeah. I honestly don't know who's going to win this. I'm going to say Asuka. I think she leaves undefeated. I think she goes up to the main roster after that. I think she leaves undefeated. Um, I don't think, like, I like Ember Moon, but something about her is not connecting when she cuts a promo. Like, something about Ember Moon out, out of ring is not connecting. And Asuka's a legit badass. And they've been trying to make her a heel. It just doesn't work. So, yes, I think Asuka should win, but I don't want her to move up to the main roster. It, it's, it's now a logjam in the women's division. She got to go. But it's, the main roster is terrible. We'll talk about it. This day, I don't want to see her get horribly booked like Bailey. I don't want to see her go. Keep her in NXT for a little while longer. 
Um, Until you figure out the shit that you're doing on the main roster. Yeah, well, if they ever figure it out. Uh, then we have Bobby Roode versus Drew McIntyre. Bobby drops the title, man. Drew wins. Um, that's the guy that could go up. I could see going up. But I don't want to see him lose. Like, I want to see him lose to Roderick Strong. I don't want to see him lose to Drew McIntyre because I don't care. So I think Rude retains. Uh, but if he loses, I think he goes up to the main roster. But I think, Rude, no, actually, I don't. If he loses, I still think there's some kind of feud with Roderick Strong there. But I'm going to go with Rude here. I, I mean, McIntyre is just a big guy that he should beat. McIntyre just doesn't, he has some decent momentum, but I don't necessarily want to see him with the title right now because I don't care. All right, so that's it for NXT. SummerSlam is up next. Oh, my God. I'm going to be at your crib for all eight hours. Well, I got to be there at like 1 o'clock at your crib. I just noticed it starts 2 o'clock. So my you're God. stuck all day with me. Your this head might so explode. Long. Yes, yeah. young hot take in the crib. This is going to be God. funny. Uh, <laughs> full old man Andreas is on point that day just because, man, I, I already know Watching this shit, you're gonna be like, "What? That match was five minutes. Like, what are they doing?" Dude, this is only two this... matches so far announced for the pre-show. By the way, yeah. So yeah, let's go through it, man. Yeah, let's... real quick. Let's go down the line. It, that, that's it. We don't even got to talk about the builds because damn near all the builds are shitty. Um, Tazawa, who is champion now, versus Neville on the pre-show. Neville wins the title back, right? But Tazawa had a great no. moment. No, I think I think Tozawa keeps the title because I don't think Neville's going to win it back on a pre-show. Um, I think to, putting the title on Tozawa was probably the plan for SummerSlam, but they changed it when they realized we got too many fucking matches. So let's give Tozawa his moment on Raw. So I don't think Tozawa loses the title to Neville. Okay, good it. match though. I still think that's going to be a good match. It's going to be a fun yeah. one. Um, the New Day versus the Usos on the pre-show. Yeah, same I like thing. it on the pre-show because you know a lot of people are like what? How is this on a pre-show? I like when they put good matchups on the pre-show because it gives them the time that they need. Don't cut their time short because it's on the fucking main show. Let them go. Let it be twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes, and let's have a good match. And I think the yeah. new day retains, but I love the Usos. Everyone loves the Usos. You can't be yeah, mad the Usos, the Usos right now. Yeah, the Usos are are probably one of the most fun. Tag teams to watch right now, both in and out of the ring. But yeah, the New Day probably retains. I don't see them losing. They could lose the titles on the pre-show, but I, I don't feel like we need to do a hot potato with the tag titles right now in SmackDown. So New Day should retain. And then what else do we have? We have going down the list now: Cesaro and Sheamus versus Ambrose and Rollins. How oh, the insufferable Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Dean I Ambrose hate and it. Rollins are going to win the titles, and we're going to get this whole "I hate you, I don't hate you" storyline with them as champions. Isn't that what we just saw with Cesaro and Sheamus? It's the exact same storyline. Two people who are on so, the tag team, throw them together, and maybe tease the Shield shit. It's never going to happen, right? They're not going to put them back together, even though they should, and it makes so much sense. But it's not going to happen. We're just going to get it teased constantly. So there are two outcomes that matter to me, and otherwise I don't give a shit about this match. One is Ambrose turns on Rollins, and Ambrose becomes a heel. Two is that they win the tag titles, the Shield performs, and they help Roman Reigns win the title in, in the main event. If neither of those things happen, I do not care. <laughs> I don't, because if they don't happen, then Cesaro and Sheamus should retain the titles, and the Hardys or somebody else should wrestle. I don't know, but this sucks. I, this, the, the whole build towards this has been terrible. It's just Rollins getting talent been, on the card. That's, it was yeah, just a throw. 
you know, just throw it at the wall. We pay these two guys a lot of money. How the hell do we get them on a card? Yeah, but I mean, it's so much invested in a sealed reunion. It's like, whatever. Anyway, so if neither of those things happen, Cesaro and Sheamus should retain the titles. All right, so, then yeah. we have John Cena versus Baron Corbin, in which the, we oh can talk fuck. about that. He cashed in and lost. Woo! Big banter. He's out of there, which means he can't ruin Knox's moment, which we'll get to in a second. I am so damn happy. That was my favorite episode of SmackDown, or uh, of wrestling on WWE this week. Just the end. Just because of the end, that shit was great. Real quick, it was very badly handled. Um, if you watch Baron Corbin keep looking out of the side of his eyes for John Cena. That was horrible. Make, he just, like, that's the moment where Vince is like, you'll never be champion so yeah i think i think this decision was made kind of at the last minute to take it off him it sucks because it makes the money in the bank thing we have to wait till next year to see a new money in the bank guy so yeah but john cena should win this i mean corbin sucks no nah, corbin's gonna win cena's putting corbin over i mean after no corbin's man gonna cena. no cena just put over knock i don't think he puts over corbin He's too put over corbin just because he cost yeah. corbin he screwed him corbin's gonna win that match Ugh, I hope um not. Big Show versus Big Cass, which isn't on the pre-show. I don't know why. Enzo Amore suspended in a shark cage. Don't care. Don't care about any of this. I thought Big when Cass they hurt win, Big, look, I thought when they hurt Big Show's hand, they would have been like Big Show's out of the match, and Enzo, you have to wrestle Big Cass now. I'd have been more interested in that, but I don't care. Big Cass, yeah, Big Cass should win. That's stupid. Unless, like I said, I think I mentioned last week, unless Enzo and Cass form a heel stable, just uh, just a heel tag team, and Enzo just double crosses Big Show. That'd be amazing. But it won't happen. Anyway. Uh, no, that's too smart. And then we have, next up, Randy Orton versus Rusev. Another match. This should be on the pre-show, but it won't be, because Randy Orton's a star. Um, Randy Orton is probably gonna win I, I, I would like rusev to win because i'd like to see him get a push but he's not yeah no randy orton's gonna win um finn balor versus bray wyatt the Ugh. demon finn balor listen i like it i haven't seen the demon in a year and i uh, hate i hope it adver- keeps going yo the look they gave us a <laughs> terrible reason why the demon is even showing up because they dumped some damn paint on finn balor it was to blood there wasn't yeah. blood they it what was they call bad. it uh, some type of Androplasty something something acidic. Who cares? Yeah. But then, but then not they advertise the demon, not Finn Balor. They advertise the demon. I'm over this whole thing. This feud has zero heat on it. The fact that now we're gonna get down. Everybody's expecting to see the demon. That I mean, come on, man. You didn't have to advertise the demon. They could have gave us a better reason. Yeah. Fuck this match. Fuck this feud. Finn Balor should win, but I don't care. Finn's gonna win. Uh, you're so just man pessimistic. <laughs> about this whole card. This whole card. Uh, it's bad. Naomi versus Natalia. I actually like this match. Um, and I said it from this the beginning. You like. I, I, I like this. I like this match. I don't think the feud's been handled properly, but I think I like this match. I think it's good for Naomi to be in there with somebody like Natalia, who's a seasoned veteran. Um, and Na- Naomi going over and Natalia would be a good thing. Um, but sooner or later, I think Natalia's got to get the title. The only reason why I say Natalia won't win. So I think the title looks really cool with the glow with Naomi. <laughs> I think so, too. And, okay. <laughs> like the spinner title with John Cena. Like People hated the spinner title, but I think it's part of his identity. It's part of Naomi's identity to be champ. And I think she needs to beat somebody season like Natalia. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, I think Natalia wins, though. I think she gets a rest, her, not a WrestleMania moment, but her SummerSlam moment. 
She could. And I she mean, finally it's gets the payoff of like, yo, here, you're a champion. She cries and shit, even though she's a heel. Um, and then I think we see Natalia versus Charlotte. So that, that's not bad, though. I, I think you can't go wrong in that match, whoever wins. Um, nope. uh, Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, Sasha better win. Sasha or we riot? Well, then you might be rioting because I don't think I'm not sure if the WWE wants to take the title off of Alexa yet. She's a good champion. She is a great. She's a champion. good champion. But Sasha got to win this shit on the main stage and not a Monday Night Raw. Look, if Sasha wins the title on the main stage, she needs to hold the title for a long time, and I'm not sure they're ready to do that yet. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I'd like to see Sasha win, but it just feels like Alexa has such great momentum as a heel. She's very good at what she does. She is. Um, in, even though if Sasha wins. They can play the whole Nia Jax angle and maybe a Bliss Nia Jax falling out and kind of uh, go yeah, maybe. that direction. Um, what else do we have? Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal versus Shinsuke Nakamura. First of all, the most tone deaf opening on SmackDown ever to boo the, the Indians for the, the for celebrating and singing the national anthem was fucking stupid. I hope Jinder Mahal wins because I don't feel like they've built up Shinsuke Nakamura to be champ. So I'm going to go with Jinder Mahal here. Shinsuke's winning and getting his moment. I, I, what moment is it? Like, do you this this feud has no heat. None, None. but it's Nakamura and people still lose their fucking minds for Nakamura. Uh, it's, it's no. I, I want Jinder to win, especially how they handled that thing on SmackDown. I want Jinder to win, and I don't even like Jinder. I think he's a terrible wrestler, but I think <laughs> I think the he's way a that great they handled, character for this climate, though. The yeah, and climate. I think he should win because of that. But we'll see. Anyway, um, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens. Shane McMahon is the special guest referee. I think we're gonna get get a really good match. Um, it'll but be I think a screwy ending. Yeah, that's what I have a problem with. As long as you understand so, that coming in, you can't be disappointed. Yes, I can. I can be disappointed in what I expect. If I expect a shitty match, well, I guess you're right. My lowered expectations. Um, but I think Kevin Owens is going to lose and start a few with Shane McMahon. I don't mind That's that because someone has to be elevated to face knock. So. It won't be AJ. AJ will be the, still the U.S. champ. So when I seen that till the WrestleMania probably. Yeah, okay. So what, Corbin after beating Cena maybe? Probably. That's going to be shitty. Um, and last match. Yeah, maybe make sure. Yep. Fatal 4-Way. Brock versus Roman versus Mojo versus Strowman, which is a match you've really been looking forward to. I have as well. It can go so many different ways. It's the only match where it's really a toss-up. And I say Roman Reigns wins because it's Vince McMahon. I say that they're running the misdirection on us with this John Jones-Brock Lesnar thing. Brock Lesnar retains because I can't see Brock Lesnar being gone from the WWE forever. I think as soon as they mentioned that, I was like, yeah, Brock's probably going to win. Um, the only thing I am sure about is if anybody's going to lose, it's going to be Samoa Joe. <laughs> Samoa Joe's taking the pit. Yeah, I hate it, but you got to protect. If, if Brock wins, you're going to a Braun Strowman program. So if Brock and Braun face over the next thing, so Braun can't lose. Roman would probably go into a Samoa Joe program. So Joe has to take the loss because Vince loves Roman Reigns. I don't see, I would love to see Samoa Joe win. I'd be, I think it'd be the greatest little swerve on a main stage ever and Joe gets the title. But if Joe doesn't get the title, he's taking the pinfall. But I'm going with Brock. I feel the man. same way about Roman. If Roman doesn't win the title, he's taking the pin. I can't see, I can't see that happening. They got to keep Roman strong. But Brock is a guy, like I don't see Brock see, leaving. They've, they've talked they about it too Strowman much. I Strowman over on Roman. Or Lesnar. Lesnar's believable. Lesnar pins Roman is no, no big deal. 
Yeah, I just, again, I don't see Lesnar losing because they've talked about this too much. And then Heyman's promo alluding to him going to the UFC, it's not happening. So now he can enter Usada testing while still being champion. So he'll still be the champion. And then there are a few with Strowman, which clearly they tease at the end of the Raw and to see how much the crowd would be into it. Super into it. Lesnar's coming back with the title on this one. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, I'm not mad at that. I still think Roman Reigns finds a way to leave the crib with the title because Vince wants that nuclear heat, that nuclear reaction. And I guess you get it. And a Lesnar, Strowman, you know, face-to-face to end the night, that, you know, would get one hell of a reaction again. Um, or Roman Reigns got to win. You got to hope to get booed. Yeah, we'll see. All right. So that is actually it for our podcast today. It was a lot of wrestling, a lot of talking, a lot of stuff. Thank you guys for staying tuned. Once again, you can follow us on all social media platforms at The Corner LSN. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas L. Next week, Andreas will be very cranky because we have Mayweather versus McGregor and we're going to have the shit show that is SummerSlam. So if you see him in the streets, be cautious because he is not going to be an excited man. He's going to be sleep deprived and coming off of the G1 high into a very, very slow SummerSlam crash. So beware. <laughs> um, until then, though, we can't wait until next week's episode. We're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.